Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, and also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information about all kinds of things related to wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, and lots of other things related to wellness. It's also the place where you can contact me uh, and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal is to always bring you interesting, informative guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. And in this regard, we're really delighted today to have Dr. Carolyn Williams. Uh, Carolyn is both a uh, PhD and a registered dietitian, and she is a leading culinary nutrition expert, as well as the 2017 winner of the James Beard Journalism Award. And she's developed a knack for breaking down complex science into quick reader-friendly tips. And uh, she does this by being the author of two books. One is Meals That Heal, 100 Plus Everyday Anti-Inflammatory Recipes in 30 Minutes or Less. And one that is being released today or already has been in the last couple of days or so, that's called uh, Meals That Heal, one pot. Carolyn is a sought-after speaker on anti-inflammatory eating and managing chronic inflammation through lifestyle. Her work is regularly featured in print and online for lifestyle brands and media outlets such as Eating Well, Real Simple, Cooking Light, and All Recipes. So it gives me great pleasure to present an authority on a field we haven't talked about much. We've had nutritionists and others on the show, but specifically in the area of anti-inflammatory issues, this, this is really going to be educational and informative and helpful to so many of us. So Carolyn, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Oh, great. We're looking forward to learning all kinds of things about inflammation and so on. Now, uh, I don't want to assume, uh, assume anything at the start, but inflammation is a term that we hear about a lot. I know uh, we worry about it if we get a, an injury, uh, if we get some kind of uh, infection. Uh, I know we there, there are anti-inflammatory medications that people take mm -hmm. frequently. Uh, what is inflammation generally? And then maybe you can tell us what it specifically has to do with eating. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get from inflammation to food? <laughs> of course. So inflammation is actually a healthy process. 
if it happens as it was designed by the body. So inflammation is a natural response by the immune system, and it's designed to heal the body, fight off pathogens like bacteria, but it's also designed to be acute. So for example, you have a virus or a bacteria and you may see inflammation in the form of a fever. That's good inflammation. It is there. That's a sign it's fighting off the pathogen, the bacteria, whatever it is. And, you know, as it fights it off, that fever slowly goes away and the inflammation goes away. Same for like a paper cut on your finger. You know, you do it and it's red and it's painful and sore and, you know, maybe a little puffy. That's inflammation, the redness, the pain, the soreness, that's inflammation. And that's a good sign because it shows that the immune system is sending in cells and compounds that are needed to heal your finger. And, you know, two to three days, it's gone and the inflammation's gone. So that that's how inflammation was designed to be used by the body in, in those ways. And that's what you hear sometimes referred to as acute inflammation. What we're really talking about today is what's usually referred to as chronic or low-grade inflammation. And this is inflammation. It's kind of on a lower level. So you often don't have like acute pain or soreness or necessarily anything like that. It's going to be more subtle signs. It's low-grade and it's triggered by irritants within our lifestyle, a large part of which come from the diet. But other things like um, sedentary lifestyle, um, tearing excess body fat, not getting enough sleep, you know, having stress that, you know, just really you're struggling to manage. Any of those things can act as irritants. But the one that we usually have a good bit of control over and that plays a large role is the food and our diet. So, uh, first of all, a little bit surprising to hear that inflammation is good, but uh, since we're always, we, we need food, we're always uh, eating, you know, to stay healthy, what do we have to be concerned about then in terms of uh, food and inflammation and how to avoid it since that's one of the bad types of inflammation? Yeah. Well, one of the first places to really start to lower inflammation or protect your body from inflammation is to really focus on gut health. And this often surprises people, but let me explain. You know, you have your good gut bacteria, your beneficial ones, and you want a proper balance um, and variety and number of them in comparison to the not so beneficial ones, the harmful ones. And what that that gut microbe um, biome or what that collection of bacteria do is they create almost like a protective lining within the intestines so that when you eat food and you digest food into, you know, um, carbohydrates and proteins and fats and different vitamins and minerals, that protective layer allows the good stuff to pass through the intestinal wall and into the bloodstream. What that protective layer does not allow a lot of to pass through are a lot of your irritants, a lot of your chemicals, compounds that aren't naturally found in food, additives, those kind of things. So a healthy gut is going to protect a lot of those irritants from even getting into the body 
into the bloodstream to cause inflammation. But the other way that you can minimize inflammation through diet is really focusing on amplifying the anti-inflammatory nutrients and minimizing the irritants in your diet. So things like artificial colorings, chemicals, preservatives that aren't necessarily needed. Um, A lot of those things you can't pronounce on a food label. Those are essentially things that your body that could irritate your body. I will say that irritation or inflammation is a little like being irritated. Maybe you're kind of having a morning where, you know, stuff just doesn't go right. And you're just a little irritated and you bounce back, but you know, you run into something else that's kind of irritating and it's easier to react to it because you've been irritated earlier in the day. Well, inflammation is kind of like that. If you've got a little inflammation or a little irritation in your body, then that makes your body a little more prone to reacting to other things that it might not typically react to. Um, So it makes your body, starts to make your body a little hypersensitive to those irritants, which can just make the inflammation build. So if, say, you eat junk food, I guess broadly defined, on a regular basis, I assume that's causes chronic inflammation. And what what does that do? I mean, from from a practical standpoint, uh, I mean, is it? Yeah, that's a good point. Why why should we even care about cleaning up our diet? Why should we care about chronic inflammation? There are obviously a lot of people who don't, so maybe they should, we know why. Well, okay, I have to be completely honest. Chronic inflammation was not even on my radar five to six years ago. I come from a publishing background, so I knew I was going to write another cookbook or two. But if you had said, Carolyn, you're going to write a series of cookbooks on chronic inflammation, I would have said, no way. You know, uh-uh. And then I probably would have even gone a step farther and said, that will never sell. But here I am <laughs> and my life, my practice has become focused on it. So what I, and I will say it first popped on my radar when I was writing an article for Cooking Light back in 2016. And they asked me to write an article on Alzheimer's. And, you know, back when I was in college, I'm on date myself here. And when I was an undergrad in all my nutrition classes, we didn't talk about the connection that food has to brain health. The closest we got to that was talking about if someone had a stroke and then they had swallowing difficulties, you know, what kind of puree diet should we give them? There was no talk about anti-aging, memory, anything like that. So whenever I write anything, particularly in print, I just really like to do a heavy, deep dive into the research. Um, It's kind of the way you can deal with some of the online trolls is, you know, it doesn't bother me as much if I'm 110% confident in my information that I'm reporting. So I did a deep dive. And one thing that I learned about Alzheimer's and and food and diet um, was that inflammation, chronic inflammation is a primary driver of the development, development of those amyloid plaques and tangles that are associated with Alzheimer's. So, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the foods that have been associated with potentially reducing Alzheimer's risk or slowing the development, a lot of them are anti-inflammatory. They minimize that inflammation 
in, in the brain. So, and that was actually the article that went on to win the James Beard Journalism Award. And I wish I could say that it was that defining moment that made me focus on information from there on out, <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, so I, um, after the next six to nine months, I was writing, I write articles all the time for different outlets. And I, um, you know, was writing on just a variety of topics. You know, there's always... People always want stuff on weight loss. Intermittent fasting was big. So I was working on that, um, writing about, you know, eating or food in some capacity related to heart disease or blood pressure or autoimmune conditions or diabetes. You know, all these different health topics that I was writing on that seemed vastly different to me. And it was finally when I sat down and kind of took a vacation and kind of thought, okay, looking at my work that I'd written that year and kind of where I may want to go with it, that I really literally had this aha moment. And I realized, oh my goodness, all of these topics that I have considered very different, all these articles that I've seen considered very different, what, there is one common thread in all of the research for each of these conditions. And that is low-grade chronic inflammation. It is either, if it's not a cause, it is a primary driver of each of those conditions. It's playing some kind of role in there. And so I really, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, we don't need a heart-healthy diet. We don't need a, you know, low-sodium diet, that kind of thing. We need an anti-inflammatory diet. That's the key to preventing disease. And that's the key to staying healthy. And um, improving health conditions. And so um, that's kind of where I, how I got there. If you look at the research, pretty much every chronic health condition is driven by inflammation, not necessarily saying it's the cause. It's not usually the cause, the primary cause, but it is kind of like this underlying fire or it, stress in the body that aggravates that condition, exodone, if you will, you know, and it starts very subtle and small, you know, it can start very, you know, it can be just changes in your digestive habits. Maybe when you eat or eat certain foods, you notice that you get really bloated and it's uncomfortable and you didn't used to do that. So it can be very subtle. Um, a lot of people notice they just can't lose weight. They may have more frequent headaches that they don't usually have anything that's kind of out of your norm and, you know, never stuff that you would actually go to the doctor for, you know, just kind of like, oh, that's annoying. This isn't normal for me. So those are usually the early signs. And then as inflammation progresses, you're going to see things like high blood pressure um, or blood pressure that's slowly going up lipid values that are off elevated blood sugar, elevated hemoglobin A1C, which is a long-term measure of your blood sugar. You're going to start meeting some diagnostic criteria for chronic conditions. Um, and then if it's left to progress, then that's when you're going to have an actual onset of type 2 diabetes or, you know, um, may potentially have a heart attack or, or that type of thing, but it starts small and it builds, but it, it really literally is, it is connected to, there's not a condition or illness that I can think of, um, particular lifestyle related ones that inflammation doesn't have a connection to. Very interesting. 
Now, when you have conditions like that, uh, there's obviously, uh, those are times you see a physician is before something bad takes place, is uh, there something that a physician would pick up in an annual physical, uh, uh, you know, or do you have to wait till you get this thing to know that you've got uh, chronic low-grade inflammation? Right. You know, sometimes a doctor may pick it up, but they're not, you know, they are more focused on, you know, your actual conditions or your actual lab measures. They're not, they probably won't say you have inflammation, you know, your blood pressure's up, you have inflammation, you know, because we're not really, you know, we haven't been focused on that. You can't code that in insurance. The best thing that you can do is really listen to your body. Listen to those subtle signs that just are outside of your norm, you know, and if they stick around, that's usually a sign there's some early inflammation and that really is key. You can turn stuff around and we've all noticed this kind of thing. Let's say we don't eat so healthy. Let's say we go on vacation. We don't eat so healthy. You know, we haven't been active. Then we come back to work and it's really high stress because we're trying to catch up. And, you know, we can tell our body just doesn't feel like it ourselves. We may have some headaches. We have some digestive issues. Those are probably little signs that there's some inflammation going on. Okay. So that is really your prime time to calm that inflammation. And it's really easy to do with that. Other signs or other measures, like I just mentioned, pre-hypertension, slightly um, high blood pressure that isn't considered high yet, but it's getting there. High blood pressure, that's a sign of inflammation. Um, any of your cholesterol values that are not within the norms, that's a sign of inflammation. So anything that's off like that, that's usually a sign of inflammation. And that's really, you know, even if you have high blood pressure or your, you know, your LDL cholesterol is high, you know, that is still a great time to rein that inflammation in. So reining that inflammation in, does it basically mean eat a diet that's largely not artificial? What do you actually do about it if you recognize that you have signs of this? You know, well, usually the first thing people say to me is, okay, you know, what do I need to cut out? And I think that's diet culture that's still left in us. We think we have to take away or certain foods are off limits. And I really have to pull people back and say, okay, we're going to get there, but let's focus first on adding. There is so much power in some key anti-inflammatory foods. And I guarantee you, most people are not getting near enough of them. There's so much power that, you know, that's really where we need to start. And usually when, and I'll tell you what those, the three main categories are foods. Um, usually once you get in the habit of eating those, then it naturally kind of cleans up your diet a little, but in general, what you ask is yes, you want more whole minimally processed foods. Doesn't mean everything has to be homemade or from scratch, but minimally processed foods in there. And so the three kind of categories of groups of anti-inflammatory foods, and this was just went through the research and these are what 
really just rose to the top. In fact, I kind of got sick of seeing them in the research. I was like, give me some, give me a new food, you know, but they were overwhelming in the research. And the first one is leafy greens, leafy greens, any kind of leafy green, of course, usually the darker, the color usually has more um, nutrients and phytochemicals. If you can, I tell people to aim for a cup of leafy greens a day. It's one of the best things that you can do. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to meet people where they are. So sometimes I'll just say, okay, uh, four to five days of the week, I want you to get a cup of leafy greens in, you know, just start there. The other, the second group of foods are berries. Berries are so powerful in their phytonutrients that exert antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects in the body. Um, Now, all produce has some, but berries are super concentrated and it can be fresh or frozen. In fact, a lot of times your frozen may have more nutrients than your fresh. If that fresh has, you know, been on a truck, you know, for several days and then sat on the store shelf for a day or two, your frozen are often picked and flash frozen usually right off the field. And when you do that, that stops um, or greatly minimizes any nutrient loss because once you pick a berry or really any produce that produces at its max potential nutrient wise, and then it's going to slowly diminish. So you want to eat it as quickly as possible after you harvest it. And then the third group are cruciferous vegetables. And I tell people, um, these are those vegetables that when you cook them, they usually stink a little. (laughs) They've got some sulfur compounds in them, but it's the sulfur compounds that really have a lot of power in them. So think things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, kale, things like things like that. Those are your cruciferous vegetables. So I tell people to try to aim for a cup of leafy greens, some type of leafy greens every day if they can. Try to get two to three cups of berries in a week and then try to incorporate some type of cruciferous vegetable in, you know, four to five days a week. You know, some people try to start with all three of those recommendations. For others, you know, they just need to start maybe with the berries and focus on that first. And that's fine. But, you know, that's really where I tell people to start. And when they get in the habit of doing all three, they usually find a lot of the junk food has fallen away or fallen out of their diet or it's, you know, and once also once they get in the habit, then I'll say, okay, let's go look now at inflamers or irritants in your diet. And let's focus on one particular area of that. And let's work on minimizing that. We're not going for excuse me, for perfection here is progress. I am still known to order a pizza on a Friday night with my kids, you know, Inflammation is more, think of it as a continuum in your body. And you really want to keep it at the lower level on that continuum. So it's kind of a balance, making sure you're emphasizing a lot of those anti-inflammatory foods and lifestyle habits so that, you know, when you do come into contact with inflammation, you know, you're not really exacerbating inflammation, excuse me, tongue-tied. Great. Now I missed the the category of vegetables. The third, what are they called? Cruciferous. 
cruciferous vegetables, and it's going to be broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale. Those are the most common ones that people um, know. But again, like I, I tell people, you know, your tip off usually is if it stinks a little while it's cooking because they've got the sulfur compounds in them. Okay. And what about, is it all, I don't know the correctable is the right word, but is the way to deal with it is totally with food or are there any lifestyle or exercise things that are yeah. uh, important too? No, lifestyle plays a big role. And I kind of had to have a talk with myself this spring. Um, you know, your my diet may be great, but my stress was really high this spring. And it was kind of things out of my control. So my usual stress management techniques weren't working. And, you know, I could tell that the stress, the ongoing stress was triggering inflammation. I was eating a fairly healthy diet, but the stress. So stress can really cause inflammation to grow and, but lack of sleep, you know, not getting enough sleep or not getting enough good quality sleep. Being sedentary is not good for the body, can act as an irritant. And then um, carrying excess body weight naturally generates some low grade inflammation in the body. Well, that's really, really been informative. And uh, while we're running low on time, we haven't yet talked about your books. So uh, what what essentially uh, will we find when we when we get them? Yeah, so my um, the my first book, Meals That Heal, it came about after I had that aha moment on the beach because I thought, you know, oh my gosh, this would be fabulous if I could get my parents to adopt an anti-inflammatory diet. And then I thought, well, I'm not getting any younger. This would definitely benefit me as well. And then I jumped to my kids who were probably eight and 11 at the time. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I could figure out a way to get them to adopt some of these eating habits, imagine how it might change the trajectory trajectory of their health long-term. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. How am I going to do that? So it kind of became my mission and that's how Meals That Heal grew came about. But, you know, it's, um, I'm a working mom, you know, a lot of times cooking dinner is not what I'm looking forward to doing when I get home and I'm a foodie, so I want something good. So my mission became to create quick and easy anti-inflammatory dishes that if I'm going to get in the kitchen 15 to 20 minutes, it's going to be good. And it's going to be stuff that my kids will eat or have foods in them that my kids will eat. Um, And it's going to be quick and easy. My newest book that just came out, um, Meals That Heal One Pot, really takes that a step farther. Um, You're using one pot. So one skillet, one saucepan, one sheet pan, to, you know, get your protein, your vegetables, everything together. So it makes cleanup even simpler, but it it came from the same, um, same place, you know, just knowing, gosh, I know what to cook, but I'm overwhelmed on daily, you know, just getting in there and doing it, but I want my kids and my family to eat this. So it really grew out of necessity and me trying to figure out how to implement this in my own life. Well, it sounds like you anticipated my next question because it sounds like essentially you don't have to be a real chef or uh, uh, even a serious cook uh, 
to to do this stuff. You just want to be committed and have that, you know, half hour or whatever it is, uh, you know, to, to prepare. So, I, I mean, it's a great service. Uh, where, where can people get your books? So my books are available at any major um, book retailer. So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, any of your major bookstores should be available in stock and online. And then, of course, Amazon, um, it's online. Both of them are online and can be found um, on Amazon. So, yeah. Great. Great. So, and uh, aside from your books... Where else uh, can people learn about you? Are you are the, I know you said you've written. Are, are you on social media or website? Anything more yeah. we should know about you and how to find out more? So if you Google my name and something food or nutrition related, most likely an article or something will pop up that I've written. I've been writing for, gosh, um, 10 to 12 years now for major outlets, but I am most active on social media on Instagram and you can search my name, Carolyn Williams, but my handle is real food, real life underscore RD. And I also have a website if people would like to go there and it's just my name, Carolyn Williams, and then the letters RD for registered dietitian.com. Um, I also host a podcast called Happy Eating, um, where we, my co-host and I discuss the connection between food and lifestyle and mental wellness. So you can also find me there. Okay, great. So we have no excuses for not finding <laughs> But uh, I know this, for me, I mean, this interview was a great start to, uh, to understand about the role of inflammation and, and food and some of the things we can do about it. And certainly looking forward to getting into the specifics in your book and books and uh, other places where we can be in touch with you. We'll have all this contact information in the show notes for our listeners. And uh, anything I should have asked you but didn't or anything else we want to make sure that we know covered it i it's like you said i want people to feel empowered and informed not overwhelmed um because this really is something that all ages can benefit from and you know it starts with just some baby steps it's not about perfection well that's wonderful and again i really want to thank you for such an excellent uh job of informing us and and as i promised you kind of put it down in ways that are easy to understand, even though there's, you know, tons of science behind what you're doing. It, uh, it's pretty understandable, even to the point of knowing if we're going to change, what are some of the specific foods we can do to change? And then if we can add it, add to it some of the recipes from your book, we'll, uh, I think we'll be a, a long way on the way to getting past inflammation. Um, I hope so. And once again, thanks very much, uh, Carolyn. It's been an absolute delight. And uh, look forward to, to reading your newest book. And so this brings to the end uh, another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Special guest has been uh, Dr. Carolyn Williams, who taught us a whole lot about inflammation and a whole lot about 
how we can become a better version of ourselves by what we put into our body. And, uh, you know, please be back next week when we'll have another interesting, informative, and helpful guest. In the meantime, please tell your friends about the podcast, uh, download it, rate it, send in a review, and be back next week. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the Mental Health Gym and my various social media pages. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. In the meantime, uh, it's Dr. Ron Kaiser saying stay positive, stay safe. We'll see you next time.